Hi. How are you? Not too bad in yourself. With all due respect, let's get the small talk. Welcome to Let's Give the Small Talk, a podcast show where we talk about it all, one topic at a time. I'm your host, Tyconis Allison. With that being said, ready, set, stimulate. Let's Give the Small Talk. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to episode 190 of Let's Give the Small Talk. Today, ladies and gentlemen, We have a very, very, very special episode, and it's special for a multitude of reasons. Number one, because I'll be joined by a special guest. That's right. That's right. Today, I'll be joined by my beautiful fiance, Alicia. She's going to join us, and we're going to talk about, are you ready? We're going to talk about an American marriage, a novel that is written by Tayari Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, before we dive deep into the novel, because this novel does take you places, it's so good, it's why we had to come talk about it. But first, I want to go ahead and welcome in our special guest, Alicia. Welcome in. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. Thank you for being here, dear, because this, ah, this book deserves a discussion. Yes. As a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special treat for you. We have the author herself, Tayari Jones. Hi, I'm Tayari Jones, author of An American Marriage. This is the story of a young couple, Celestial and Roy, married only 18 months when Roy is arrested for a crime he does not commit. This is a love story, but it's also a story about societal forces that impact people that are so much larger than they are. How does a young couple, a new marriage, newlyweds, survive a collision course with the prison industrial complex? What should they do? What will they do? And how will they do it? There you go. You guys heard it yourself from the author's mouth herself. That is what this wonderful, beautiful book is all about Alicia, dear, where do we begin? Yeah, so first, I just want to say thanks for having me here. Um, my book club and I read An American Marriage last month, and I finished it in what a week. I can't tell you the last time I have finished a book that quickly, but it was just so good. The story was just so good. And I told you that you had to read it because we had to talk about it. Right. Like, I love talking about the books with the ladies. But this one, I said, I need you to read it because I need a man's perspective. So mm. thank you for reading it. And thank you for having me here today. Oh, thank you for the wonderful suggestion. I didn't read it in a week. I read it in two weeks. But that goes to show how good it is. It it really is good. Yeah. I just love love and I love love stories. And it just dug deeper than love. So Mm. it was just overall dope. But there was a part at the beginning of the book that really stood out to me. I don't know if you remember. 
But Roy mentioned that Celestial's parents gifted them her childhood home as a wedding gift. And when I first read it, I said, that's dope. But then I kept reading and Roy said there was nothing wrong with the house, but he wanted to hang his hat on a peg with his own name on it. And that's when I thought about you. Because it reminded me of you. That's something that I feel like you would say. Uh And I wanted to hear your perspective on it. Because like I said, I think it's dope. I think it's dope for parents to build legacies and pass down things like homes to their children. But it's it's something different about just getting it from the mud. And when I heard what Roy said... I felt him. I was like, yes, it would be nice for our parents to gift us a home or give us money, but there's nothing like working hard for something. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to know your perspective as a man. Yeah. How would how do you feel about your parents or my parents mm-hmm. gifting us a home? Would you accept it? Mm-hmm. Do you agree with Roy? You want to be able to hang your hat on your own peg? How mm-hmm. do you feel? Well, I I think, great question, by the way. I think uh, there's two types of people in this world. Um, type A, people who be perfectly fine with it. Type B, people who want to save up their own money, go through the sacrifice and and buy the house on their own. And that's where I land. I land in the ladder type B. Um, you know, you're right. Passing down uh, certain like heirlooms and uh, valuables. That stuff is very nice. Uh, a home, however, no. No. And I say no mainly because when you go through obtaining... Whether think of like your first car, right? If if your parents didn't gift you your first car, some people got their first car on, on their high school graduation or right. their sixteenth birthday or eighteenth birthday. But if you actually had to start working a job while still doing maybe some college, maybe your first year of college, but you want a car now, you want to be able to go out on the weekends, you want to move around, you want to travel, you want to get off the bus, get off the train. So here's how it goes. So you're saving up money. So you're learning how to sacrifice. That's one. Two, while you're going to this job, you're taking the bus, the train, you're walking. So now along this commute, you are envisioning how this is all going to come to an end because you will eventually have a car. That's motivation. Okay. Now, three, once you actually obtain the car after saving up all the money, and you get the, the registration, the um, the license plate, the title, all of that. Now you're driving this car to work. You just prove to yourself that you can do whatever you set your mind to. And the same thing I feel applies to a home, a house. There's just certain things that I don't believe you should be gifted. If you are a type B person, I'm type B. I want to, you know, earn it on my own. Now, I am a father and I do have a daughter. So I also see it from a different aspect where I just want to provide the world for her. 
And um, I can see if we had, you know, like our second home or a condo or apartment and and we gave it to her. But see, when I think of that, I think of us giving her that like at 18, 19, 20, 21. And that's like her first place. But when she gets in a relationship and she's ready to get married and so forth, I can see her moving out into a place that they can call their own. Right. That's a difference. It's different from, and we've, we've all been here, right? We've all cohabitated. It's different from you leaving your apartment and moving into her apartment or vice versa, opposed to you guys both leaving your respective homes and coming together to build a home. Right. So, that's like our place right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a big difference. You know, if you're coming into someone's space that's already established, right? You're forever going to feel like a visitor. Mm-hmm. It's just the truth of the matter. This person been here for 18 years. They lived there all their life. And now you've been here for 18 months. You, you don't have any foot in. You don't, you don't have any say so. I know they're going to make you feel as welcome as possible. And, you know, this is me, Casa, Sue, Casa. But in reality, in reality... You know that this is her home or this is his home. So um, I I would feel the same. If my parents, you know, especially a childhood home, you don't have all your memories there. You walking around telling stories of like, I remember when I fell down the stairs right here. or We used to have a big uh, porch right here. It's a lot of the past. Yeah, you want to create new memories. Yeah, yeah. So that's the uh, long-winded answer to that question is... No, I think it's a a gracious, beautiful thing if your parents have the ability. Not many people have the ability to do that, first and foremost. Right. As you you guys read the book, one day we do highly recommend it. And we'll probably touch on it throughout. But Celestial's parents are well off. You know, her dad created the recipe for Minute Maid orange juice. I don't know how many people are doing that. Right. Uh, But, um, but, but yeah. Uh, I I would I wouldn't I appreciate it, but no thank you. Yeah, when you started talking about saving up money to get your own car, mm-hmm. it just brought back those memories. Cause in 2011, I got my license. Mm-hmm. I was 19, and then about a year later, that's when I got my first car. And for that year, I was working, I was saving money, and I said. I'm getting me a car. Mm-hmm. And I did. My first car was a 2001 Nissan Sentra. I think it was about maybe 3000 But I earned it. I yeah. saved up that money and no one could tell me anything. Yeah. And I was proud. My mother, everyone was proud of me. Wow. But most importantly, I was proud of myself. It just feels different. It does. It feels different. It does. And I'm glad that I remember being 16 in high school and some of my friends would get cars for graduation or their birthday. And I'm like, I want my parents to buy me a car. Mm-hmm. But when I finally bought my own car, yeah. it just showed me that when you work hard, mm-hmm. you can get great things. Yes. Yes. And Yeah. And what, what comes with gifts, if, if we're just having an honest conversation, ladies and gentlemen, what comes with gifts 
Sometimes, and it depends on the gifter who is given the gift, sometimes it comes with strings. Strings are attached. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so granted, right, if your parents brought you that car, they spent three, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars of money they worked for and brought you your first car as a nice graduation gift. Some parents very well will feel like they have the say so of how you go about using your car. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it goes. And ultimately, your parents are going to have a say so, period, about you in a car because they know the dangers that come with a car, first right. and foremost, right? Um, but it just may be a little bit more advice when the car came out of their pockets. And so another thing too, though, with you purchasing the vehicle on your own, Alicia, is you prove to your parents that when you set your mind to something, you can do it. So they just gained a whole new level of respect for you. Right. Right. So they're like, okay, all right. So She's on the right path. She brought herself a car. She's in school. So the advice of where are you going? How long are you going to be out for? You got enough gas in there? When'd you get an oil change? They might pull back on a, on that a little bit because they already see you're down the path of being responsible. Yeah, that so, was the beginning. Yeah, it's a lot that goes into it, guys. Not Not every gift is good. Not even because it's free or there's strings attached, but some things you just, you got to earn for yourself because it helps you grow as an individual. Right. Yep. So as parents, that's something that we definitely have to continue to keep in mind because we're going to be well off. But at the same time, we want to teach Aaliyah how to be independent, how to be responsible. Yeah. And then, you know treat her as well (laughs) yeah it's a fine line (laughs) it is but yeah i was just really interested to hear your perspective because men and women are so different and like i mentioned at first i'm like that's dope personally i don't like handouts either yeah but i know as a man being the provider it's just different but see I, i i can see why why a daughter? You're, you're a daughter. I can see why a daughter would be receptive to that. Because even even tonight, right, when Aaliyah was going to bed, she said, Daddy, I need toothbrush. I said, okay, I'll take care of that for you. And the next thing she said, she said, anytime I need something, you always buy it for me. You always take care of it. I said, that's right, always. See, as from a father to a daughter, right, there's, there's a, a, a type of relationship there. And part of that is whatever she needs is guaranteed and almost whatever she wants is guaranteed. <laughs> so so it goes from daddy, I need toothpaste to daddy, I need new shoes or daddy, I need a car. I want a car to daddy, I want my own place. So all all it does is just evolve, but it's the same premise that whenever I need something or whenever I want something, whenever I desire something, whenever I think about something out loud and my father just happened to overhear, it magically appears. (laughs) So I can see where, you know, it can be some, uh, you know, being receptive as a daughter that, oh, that'd be amazing. Like my parents uh, brought me, uh, uh, gave me a home. That's great because that's how it's been since, since birth. But see, as a son, and I can speak from an aspect as a son, um, 
My dad, of course, brought me toothpaste and and things I needed. But see, along the way, the message changed. It went from, you know, I'm gonna get this for you, son. Absolutely, but it's um, it's time for you to start learning how you're gonna be able to provide this for yourself. Because, son, I'm not always gonna be here to buy you toothpaste. So, how, right. son, I'm not always gonna give you money to to go to the skating ring and and you know skate and dance with your friends. How are you gonna provide this? Okay, all right. I'm gonna cut grass, or I'm gonna do extra chores around the house, or whatever the case it may be. So. It changes along the way, and 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 that's the dynamic uh, between, um, you know, son, daughter, um, and and the two sexes. It's 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 a you're playing a different game, right? You're teaching them two different courses uh, along the way, right? So as Tayari mentioned, this is a love story. So can we talk about love? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. At one point, we both agreed that love has an expiration date, right? Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Sammy. Yes. <laughs> yes. So why? Why does love fade away? Why did Celestio and Roy separate, in your opinion? Mm. Well, my humble, gracious opinion. Now I'm just playing. Uh <laughs> You know, I'm on the outsider looking in. You know, that that's how you are as a reader. You you're sitting in the back seat while the main characters are, are driving the car and sitting in the in the passenger seat. From what I witnessed and what I observed and what I read, it just goes to show that proximity. I want to use that word. Let's start there. It just goes to show how important proximity is to a relationship. Yes. It goes to show how important it is to be able to come home and give your significant other a hug. It goes to show how important it is to be able to lay down in bed next to your significant other. It just goes to show how important it is to... Be able to just sit on the couch and watch a movie and talk all throughout it together with your significant other. Roy and Celestial, they were unable to do that at a point in time due to him being incarcerated. So proximity was taken away. So now every time she comes to visit Roy, it's in prison where you you can't get too close. Unless there's a conjugal visit, but that's neither here nor there. What I'm saying is, is Roy was no longer available. So that's the next word I want to touch on. Availability. Proximity and availability. Due to both of them being stripped away in the blink of an eye, in the middle of the night, their love began to wane. And I think it's hard. You know, I think of love as a flower. Wow. Your flowers. Literally just thought that same thought. Really? I swear, just now. Wow. I w- when, wow. As you were speaking, in my head, I just said, 
Love is like a flower. Wow. Wow. Look at that. It needs to be watered. Yeah. Yeah. See, see, there's some days where the flower doesn't need any water. It just, it just needs to be put in the sunlight. And then there's some days where it's, it's, it needs more water than usual. It needs that maintenance. There's some days when the flower needs to be talked to. I know you guys heard about this. It's real. It's some days your flower needs to be sung to. And without you being able to tenderly cater to your love accordingly, then love will ultimately expire. That that's that's what I think happened to Roy and Celestial. Yeah, wow. You just summed it up perfectly. Oh, Literally you. took the words out of my mouth. But <laughs> yeah, this book just really showed me that if you don't take care of your relationship, unfortunately, it will die. It will end. Yeah. Yeah. And it just goes to show something that we've said since the beginning. Either you grow together or you grow apart. Yeah. This book just clearly showed that. And it just made me realize that we're in such a good space. I just really enjoyed reading this book so much because I said, wow, okay, we're doing something right. Mm -hmm. But it just... It just makes me think about all the relationships that unfortunately don't work out. Yeah. And and they all have something in common. At one point, either one person or the other or both parties just gave up. They mm. stopped trying. Mm. Relationships, love, and needs maintenance. You have to work on it. Yeah. Yeah, daily too. Yeah. Daily. Daily. Yes. Wow. And relationships, we all know, they're, it's not all peaches and creams. It's not all sunshine every day. There are difficult situations that you're going to go through. And Roy and Celestial went through one that... I could never imagine experiencing. They were newlyweds who got separated and Roy ends up getting incarcerated for a crime that he didn't commit. So literally in a second, their whole world was turned upside down. Yeah. But I would just love to know, how do you get through those tough times in a relationship? How do you survive those difficult situations? Because we all know they're going to be there at one point or another. Yeah, it's a journey. It's definitely a journey. I want to give a a two-part answer because something just came to mind about how maybe Roy and Celestial could have gotten through that. And then I want to give the personal. So let's start with Roy and Celestial. So with him being in prison, wrongfully so, one of the glaring differences between the two is that Roy was hanging on to the past and Celestial was flying toward 
her future. There's a big gap in between the two, which is called the present. See, because Roy was done wrong, he couldn't get over the fact that he was done wrong. So that's why he couldn't let the past go. You know, so much resentment, so much was, was taken away from him because he knew he was innocent. He knew he didn't commit the crime that he was convicted for. And Celestial is free and she still has life to live. And her businesses is picking up and and things are taking off for the better. So it's hard for her to hang on to the past and it's hard for him to look forward to the future. I just want to say one thing really quickly. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. But there was a point when, you know, when the letters started to get shorter. Yeah. And Roy said, I'm innocent. Mm-hmm. And Celestio said, I'm innocent too. Mm. Wow. And I was like. Ooh. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So literally everything that you were just saying He's he is innocent. Mm-hmm. He is innocent and he's dwelling on the fact that he's innocent. He does not deserve to be there. Yeah. And Celestio is innocent as well. Yeah. She she didn't sign up to be in this predicament either. Right. But I was just like That's wow. a good bar. That's it a is. real good bar. It is. I was like, wow. That's a real good bar. Wow. Um I know it's all hindsight and you know, we see how the story played out, but Something that maybe could have helped them is um, Roy accepting his present. Yeah. Roy accepting his present, you know, so when they communicate, instead of everyone talking about the past, I, I don't want to misquote this, but somebody, I heard somebody say this. If the conversation starts with, I remember, it's the lowest form of communication. Oof. So... So Roy has to write the letters. And when he's talking on the phone to her, when he sees her in person, like, yeah, today there was a fight out in the yard. Man, Tom did this. And then Hank came back and did that. I'm sorry, but to remain present, you have to be present. And there were times where Roy in his letters, he was being present, but he was teetering with the past. You ever had a conversation with someone and all they talk about is what y'all used to do? Mm-hmm. Well, how long is that conversation going to last? Especially if both people aren't expounding on how great the past used to be. Right? So, Roy accepting his present, I think, would have been very helpful. Um. Now, for the celestial part of it, it's tough because her dreams came true. Yeah. She was literally living out her dreams. And and when you begin to live out your dreams, you realize they are always so lovely, especially not as you envision. You know, the demand to be creative, to create. On top of that, you know... Pulling from the situation that she's dealing with, but yet not wanting to speak about that publicly, publicly because that could, that could just throw everything out of order. So she's kind of torn too. Um, what she could have done to help their relationship. Mm. 
only thing I could really come up with is being a little bit more understanding. And it's hard to be understanding when you you have no idea where that person stands. Mm. She 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 wasn't in prison. Right. She 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 doesn't know what it's like to um sell a garbage bag to a guy so you can have fresh fruit and that guy uses that garbage bag to take his own life. She she doesn't know about that. She doesn't know what it's like to to be somewhere against your will. Mm. So I think Roy could have tried to be more present and I think Celestial could have tried to be more understanding. Now, what do I do in, in real life, in our relationship, when we're going through the journey? A relationship is a journey, such as life. I do a couple things. But first thing I do is remember your words, once they come out of your mouth, you, you can't take them back. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not real big on apologies or or saying I'm sorry. Because it doesn't take away how you made that person feel in that moment. So a lot of times I, you know, become very mum while I'm trying to figure out and sort out my feelings. So I don't act out and regret and say something that. I meant in that moment, but we like to say, I didn't mean it. Well, in that moment, you meant it. Um, So I try to sort out my feelings so I can articulate how I'm feeling. That's the first thing. Because what you, you can't do is, you can't do something in the heat of the moment and then be upset if it affects the future. You can't. So I try to keep that in mind. I try to do big picture. All right. This isn't worth us veering off our path and our journey into a different direction. So another thing goes like this, too. After I sort through my feelings, I'm like, hmm, is this even worth talking about? Because if all you do is fight all the battles, then the relationship loses. It's like one big war. No, nobody wants to be in war with the person they love. Right. So that's that's where it begins for me. It's like, all right, why do I feel this way? All right, how do I come about talking about it? Is this even worth talking about it? And 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 I take it I take it from there. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah. I mean, just being honest, like, we don't have that many difficult times. Yeah. Of course, it's a part of every relationship. <clears throat> we have disagreements, but mm-hmm. there's not many tough times. And honestly, I think it's because yeah, we spent time building a strong foundation. And of course, we had to go through things. We had to learn 
that if we don't build this house brick by brick together, mm-hmm. then anyone in anything can blow that house down. Mm-hmm. Anyone can break that house down. Yeah. But I think over these past couple of years, we've really been spending time building the foundation, building a strong foundation. And like you said, picking the battles. There are things that may bother me, may bother you, that we've learned to deal with individually because it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Everything is not worth a conversation, an argument, disagreement. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes mm-hmm. the issue is with yourself and you just need to take it up with yourself. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think building that strong relationship, that strong foundation just avoids a lot of that little nitpicking. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I would, I would absolutely totally agree. You know, and, and this is something that I think is very, very key to our success is how compatible we are mm-hmm. with each other. And that, and that's a conversation that's not had very often. First and foremost, because when we, when we're dating, right, and you're on the dating scene, First thing, usually it's about, you know, what meets the eye. Uh, but what meets the eye isn't what sustain a lifelong relationship. And it's, it's, it's tricky, right? Because you can't truly tell if you're compatible with someone unless time has been spent. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So... So time must go on to see if you guys can even stand the test of time. Right. So it's it's a gamble. It's a it's a risk, you know. And of course, you know, we do the whole well. What do you like? And we find the commonalities there. But I think the older we get, and the more we are approaching dating with being intentional. Mm-hmm. Then there are some conversations that must be had within the first couple of dates to see if this is even worth a relationship. But those questions literally have to be created uh, by the individual. Because what means to you at 32 or 34 years old may not mean the same to them. Uh, but you will never find out until that conversation is had. Uh, so, yeah, it's. It, it's a gamble. It's a gamble. Um, and, it, and it worked out in our favor where we literally hit the lottery um, with how compatible we are, um, which is how like how we view things, uh, how we feel about things. And, and like you said, no one went to stand up, speak up and went to just walk away and let it go. Right. Um, but but yeah, compatibility goes a long way. Literally and figuratively. Right, exactly. But just going back to time, I think spending time with each other is so important. Mm -hmm. And during my book club meeting, I asked the ladies, the ones who are married and in relationships, how do you nurture your relationship? How do you Mm -hmm. or your partner grow? Yeah. And one thing that we all had in common is we talked about being intentional with spending time with our partners. Mm -hmm. And I was telling them about how 
every Monday we meet with each other, whether it's planning for the wedding or Mm -hmm. doing the marriage counseling, Mm -hmm. that it's our non-negotiable, it's our non-negotiable time for us. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we're going to continue after we get married. But I think it has been a huge success for our relationship, just digging deep and getting to know each other mm. week by week, day by day. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. One of the ladies said, I think they've been married at least 10 years. Nice. And during the pandemic, you know, everyone started spending more time with each other. And her husband asked her, how's that TV show? Um, that you used to watch. And she said, I haven't watched that show in years. But that's when she realized how much Mm. they really don't know each other presently. Yeah, yeah. And and she was saying how it's so important to spend time with each other. And she loves how we have that day that we dedicate to our relationship. And I was like, yeah, it makes a huge difference. Scheduling time for your partner it's just as important as scheduling time for yourself and your family and your job and all of the other responsibilities that you have. But that's true. That's true. Because when when you are designating that time to one another, um, you guys are pretty much updating, you know, each other on each other's individual lives and and about the relationship, the marriage. So. The same way you update your phone or your laptop, your computer, your iPad, whatever it may be, you have to do the same with your relationship. Right. You have to update it. So yep. you just have to keep that in mind or you'd be talking about television shows that were watched three years ago. Right. <laughs> opposed to last week. And that just goes to show you can live with somebody and not know them. Yeah. See them every day and not know them. Yeah. It happens way too often. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. So schedule that time, y'all, whether it's just one hour, two hours. Here's the thing that, that I, I grew to realize is, um, you know, when you put on a TV show or a movie and you two are watching it, granted, it's just one movie or it's just two episodes, but it, it's so much is happening, right? So there's the proximity, right? So you guys are nearby each other. Guys may be on the same couch, maybe in the same bed, maybe cuddled up, whatever it may be. Uh, but then also you are taking in this television show, this movie. And, you know, me, uh, there's a message in everything, right? So you guys are taking in this message, right? And while you're taking in someone else's narration or point of view, you are expressing how you feel about it. So not only are you guys taking in this new information, but then you're sharing with each other about how you feel about said information. And then from there, you begin to fill out and understand how one person feels about this scenario or that scenario. And then it just keeps going on and on. So it's it's so much more than just a movie. It's so much more than just binge watching a few episodes. You are literally pouring into your relationship because so much dialogue and conversation is created. Um, so it's, I know it may seem so trivial and so small, but it goes such a long way. It, 
you know, and I'm just speaking from experience. Yes, 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 yes. All right, so we can transition. Okay, okay, all right. So uh, we gave a little bit away about the story. We don't give it all away, guys, because, you know, then you probably won't read it. I'm sure there may be a movie coming in the future. I mean, this book was on Oprah's uh, book list. So that's a that's a huge stamp, huge big cosign. But as a reader and as a writer, a lot of times while I'm reading, I like to go beyond the book, right? So Alicia, I, I want to ask you a few questions here. Uh, that's not so much pertaining to the story, um, but in some form or fashion, it all connects. How did you like the style of the storytelling? See, in the book, you had Roy, right? When you see Roy, that means that that chapter was going to be from Roy's perspective. You had Celestial. So that chapter was going to be from Celestial's perspective. And then you had Andre. Same thing. Now, what would happen sometimes is if Roy is talking about something, sometimes it was picked up in Celestial's chapter and given her point of view about it. That's kind of how the story went about. I thought that was very creative. Like the pickups. Um, and it was interesting because once you flip the page and you see someone's name, you kind of know like this is like whose path you're about to walk down and listen to. And then you're kind of like waiting, like, I want to get back to Celestia. She was just <laughs> about to do this, but I got to get through Andre. Uh, but how do you feel about that style of storytelling? Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? And what were some of your takeaways from it? Like the style itself. Yeah, I love books that are actually written that way. Mm. I love first person narratives um, because it lets me get inside of that character's head. So I feel like I'm getting closer to the character and it's literally like walking in their shoes. And like you said, you're more interested to read what they have to say next. Mm -hmm. And I love how she jumped around with all of the characters. So we got Andre's perspective, Celestial's perspective, Roy's perspective, and it flowed. So they sometimes they all were telling the same story, but from a different perspective. And that's why I love discussing books and I love having conversations because we, we're all reading the same book, but mm -hmm. we all get something different. Mm -hmm. So I love it. I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the letters that Celestial and Roy wrote back and forth because it got us, it, it let me see exactly how they felt at that moment. And it showed their relationship start to dwindle. Yeah. So it was just pretty cool. Yeah. That was really neat. At first, I was a bit thrown off by the letters because I was looking back for that, that regular text. 
And then when I understood that these letters are going on for the next hundred pages, then I accepted the fact. And once I accepted the fact, then I was like, oh, see, these letters, it's it's more than what's being written within them. Not only is it only a way that or the way they have to communicate with each other, but it it also it also makes the reader feel like they're in jail and then they're out of jail. Yeah. I felt it. Yeah. 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 I felt that along the way, like halfway through them, like, oh, I'm back in jail now. <laughs> oh, I'm free. Right. So um And also it's like we started up here. Like they're in love. Yeah. We're with them. We're all the way at the top with them. Mm-hmm. And then we slowly go down the and then roller tumbled. coaster. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we were a part of the journey. So I like that. Yeah. That was really cool. That was really cool. Okay. I want to ask you this. Okay. Because as you know, there's sometimes I'll be holding a book in my hand, reading it, and I just flip the book over and I say, that's not authentic. <laughs> That's not genuine. I wouldn't say that. I'm a man. I would never say anything like that. So my question to you is, how difficult is it to write in the point of view of the opposite sex? As a writer, I I want your personal first and then we can expound a little bit on the book. We don't want to give it all away. But how difficult do you think it is? Uh, very difficult. <laughs> I I have never written. Wait, let me think. Have I written? I've written in other people's perspective, mm-hmm. but I think about the situations of other women. I don't know women that I know. I'm trying to think if I've ever written in a man's perspective. Even if I did, mm-hmm. it's still what I think that they're thinking. Mm. Which I never truly know. Of course, I can relate more to women. So if I know a situation that my friend or my sister have experienced, it's easier for me to walk in their shoes and tell that story. So I think it's very difficult. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I know some authors do ask the opposite sex for their opinion and they try their best. Yeah. But I think it's hard. And clearly, you have read authors speak from a man's perspective. And you said, I wouldn't say that. A man wouldn't say that. A man wouldn't do that. So I think it's interesting. I want to read more books by male authors Mm -hmm. and see them writing in a woman's perspective. Because typically, it's the opposite for me. Yeah. Yeah. You could definitely uh, sense it there as well. You can tell. I was looking at certain... Like, you know, reading Harlan Coben books and I'm like, like sometimes obviously there's the dialogue tags there, the quotation marks. But sometimes like it feels like the guy is having a conversation with himself because because you don't hear the difference in the verbiage from the the character that's a woman. So it's like as an author, sometimes it seems like, all right. This is what I want to happen in this scene. This is who I want to say this and want to say that. But just like in text messages, you can open up your phone and don't see the name. But you could read the entire thread and you can tell who's the man and who's the woman in those messages. By word choice, um, 
in, you know, if you read in minds, uh, mistakes, misspells, <laughs> uh, missing some punctuation, a bunch of exclamation points, stuff like that. You know, uh, I see it, you know, in our own messages, like your messages are always, um, you know, perfect. Yeah. Nah. You know your message is always perfect. No, they're not. Uh, but, you know, they're Punctuation like. They're, they're like. It's important. They're well crafted. <laughs> and mine is like, oh, I forgot that word there. And I misspelled that, but she put it together. <laughs> um, but what I'm trying to say is, I'm sure it's difficult because a man is not a woman and a woman is not a man. So what you're trying to do is be in that person's mind. Like, how would they react if this was to happen to them? But here, here's the thing. In the book, there's times I felt like the scenario was set up right. However, it felt like the author, who's a woman, was responding how she will want a man to respond, how she would like a man to respond in that situation. And that's where it felt disingenuous in those moments. You know, a guy, speaking for myself, if a guy tells you that he he made a mistake, he tell you he made a mistake. But a guy is not going to tell you that he made a mistake and why he made a mistake and how long he's been making mistakes. No, 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 no. I'm being honest. Nah, there's some guys out honest. here who are doing all that. But why? That don't make no sense to me. You, you sound like uh, like a, like a, a, a can't do right. Like I made a mistake. Sorry about that. You know what I'm saying? You put your pride aside. You accept some accountability. But I'm not going to beat myself up about all the mistakes I made and how often I make mistakes and why do I keep making mistakes? No, 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 no. I told you I'm sorry. It won't happen again. That's the end of it. (laughs) All right. Don't want to keep talking about it. But that was really interesting. Like just hearing Roy speak something like Roy wouldn't say that. And Andre. (laughs) Andre, Nah, there's Andre's out there. There's Andre's out there. I'm sure it is some Andre's out there. But this guy. Man, this guy Andre, I I was getting so upset sometimes because she really dialed into Andre. See, Andre and Roy, they're two different types of guys. She struggled at times with Roy, in my opinion. But she hit the nail on the head with Andre majority of the time because of the personality that that he was given. See, Andre, uh, he was uh, very passive. That's a nice way to say it. <laughs> He's very passive. He was just gone with the flow, you know. And there will be times where he wants to speak up or put his foot down. But then if, if Celestial said something, then he'd, he'd just waver along. Like, okay, okay, okay. See, Roy wasn't having that. Roy said, go inside the house. We about to have a conversation. <laughs> He wasn't taking no for an answer. But it, overall, she, she did a great job. But I just thought it was really interesting that as many books as we read, being avid readers, you can really see like, like the difference in the verbiage between the two sexes and when they match and when they don't match. 
Also, I think it's difficult to write in the opposite sex perspective, but I do think it's possible. Of course, authors do it all the time. Yeah. But think about if you're in a relationship, you're around your significant other all the time, Mm -hmm. having multiple conversations. So I know a lot about men because of you, because I talk to you every day. Okay. So I do feel like... I could, I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. could do it. Yeah, for sure. But it wouldn't be as authentic as it would be coming from a man. Right. But it is possible. Right. You you definitely have to like, there's so many levels to it because you, you have to anticipate like how they're going to react. And then you have to figure out, okay, what are they going to say? And there are some things that uh, a man, I speak for myself, I'm not reacting with any words, right? It's just going to be action or physical or whatever the case may be. So it is different because you're truly, truly trying to tap into that opposite sex. Right. That reminds me of think like a man. <laughs> mm, which part? Just the whole idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Steve, yeah. Steve Harvey really yeah, wrote yeah. that book, right? Well, well, that was just for the movie. No, no. He wrote the book. It's a oh. book. Um, I don't think he per se wrote it. I think you know he had like a ghostwriter, but oh okay. But it's it's his his ideology. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Hmm. <laughs> All right. This has been so much fun. I hate that it's coming to an end. Time I literally know. flew by. I told you. Uh, but that's <laughs> you know that's what happens when you talk about love and relationships. You could you could talk all night long. Right. Uh, but I want to. Close out here with this two-part question, Alicia. I, I want, you know, I like to bring things home. The questions are, Alicia, is marriage still important? Let's start right there. That's part A. Is marriage still important in your opinion? It's still important to me, to the society. I think the importance is shifting. Mm. I know nowadays I hear, I wouldn't necessarily say my friends, I'll say my generation. I hear my generation saying that they don't want to get married or some of them don't even want to be in relationships. And It's hard to get married if you're not in a relationship. <laughs> right. But... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad you think it's still important. It's just, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. It's nothing like experiencing love with someone. It's nothing like having a partner. Like, Mm -hmm. it is, I love coming home to my family. I love coming home to you and Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. I love this partnership that we're bu- that we're building. Why wouldn't anyone want it? I don't know. Like, t- yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That that segues to my next question I have here for you is Alicia. Why do you want to get married? 
Ooh. I think marriage just solidifies everything. So I know that we we are meant for each other. Like you said, we hit the lottery mm-hmm. and I just think marriage brings it all together. It makes us whole. So we are both individuals who are coming together mm-hmm. and creating a union, literally one team, one dream. And I think that's what marriage does. And that's what I want. It's just the icing on the cake. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Do do I think marriage is still important? Yes, I absolutely do. Um, do I feel like our generation feels that way? Uh, I think the narrative, the narrative is no. Um, however, statistics, marriage, marriage isn't completely out the window now. It's like some people are saying one thing but doing another. But <laughs> but it is very much true that relationships today, and I can only speak for the time period that I lived in, relationships are not lasting as long to even get to the point of marriage. And I think a big part of that is social media. Talk about it all the time. I think social media is, I think social media makes us believe that we have all the opportunities in the world at meeting anybody, dating anybody, loving anybody, when actuality, that's not the case. I think social media, even though you may have all those followers or you get to follow whoever you like or you get to slide anybody's DMs. It goes back a little bit to what I said earlier about proximity. I think proximity is important. See, I want you guys to listen closely. See, when you work with somebody, you done been around them. You done seen them in a, some situations with a difficult customer, whatever the case may be. Or you forgot your lunch and they shared some of it with you. That, that That's proximity. And that leads to I like this energy that I'm around. Yes, she's beautiful. Yes, he's handsome. But I like this person's energy. Hey, what you doing after work? Because you want to spend more time around that person and soak up their their energy. See, you don't get energy through someone's DMs. You don't get energy from following somebody. Because that proximity is not there. It's the reason why you hear so many love stories like, how long y'all been together? Where'd y'all meet? We met on the job. We met in high school. Or my cousin, um, we met at a get together at my cousin's house. It's, it's always proximity, proximity, proximity. It's a reason why, guys. It's a reason why. You know, you can meet someone on Instagram and they live across the country and then you guys meet 
up together and and the energy isn't there. But you you would have never known that until you actually experienced that. Same thing at the workplace. There's some coworkers where hell no, I ain't, we ain't going nowhere after work. <laughs> I'm trying to get away from you on a job. Right. So, um, I just wanted to touch on that. I I think I think that's part of it. Social media is why marriage is is not as high on the list because we just feel like we have the world in our hands and we really don't, right? And all these dating apps and so forth. If they were really, if they were as successful as advertised, then why do they keep having so many people on them? Mm. Second part of that is in our generation, and I could touch a little bit on this. I didn't live in any other time period, but I could see from books, from movies, conversations with elders. There was a point in time, and I'm going to use this word loosely. There was a point in time where love was the focal point. And I use it loosely because part of love comes with security. And part of security is we need each other. Right? I need you to go work. I need you to take care of the kids. I need you. I need so it, it goes like like back and forth. It's like a game of tennis. However, today, the focal point is money. And so now it's like, forget love. It's all about money. (laughs) And it's like, what we fail to realize is that's good. You invest in all your time and energy into um, doing well for yourself financially. But you know, you don't become a great husband, a great wife, a great boyfriend, a great boyfriend when you become a millionaire no like the money doesn't equate to how great of a person you're going to be in a relationship right (laughs) it doesn't mean like oh when i start to make one hundred twenty thousand dollars per year as a salary then i'm gonna be ready to date no no the same effort and time you put into coming up with that plan or working up the corporate ladder is the same effort and time you need to put in to be a decent boyfriend to be a good fiance, to be a great husband. So so the money isn't going to save you when it comes to love. Now, on the flip side, just speaking from experience. See, I do think if you're in a loving, stable situation, that can actually help you get to the money. Because you're focused. Because you 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 have a plan, right? When, once you have this relationship going on and you have an idea of a future with this person, oh, you got to get your money right. You have to. But see, it's not the same on the flip side. See, once you get your money right, it's not always an incentive to go find love. That's why some people have trust issues, right? 
That's why some people say, do she love me for me or do she love me because of my money or because of who I am or because what I do? So I think right now we're in a situation where everything is go and get your money, go and get your money. That people are just not putting any effort on finding love, maintaining love, sustaining love as they are doing with their bank account. So I think that's where we are as a, as a society though. with it. It is. It's lopsided. It It is lopsided. And life is balanced. So you have to try, you know, even out the scale as best as possible. Um, why do I want to get married? I just have to answer the question on part two. Oh, man. I want to get married because I believe that love is the highest achievement in this journey of life. I really believe that. And I believe being able to find a complete stranger mm-hmm. and make it work, you two together, for a lifetime, I don't think there's a greater honor than that. I don't think anything matches up to that. I don't think so. Now, some people can be together for a lifetime and not get married because they don't want to do the legal thing and marriage is a business. Okay, okay. That's important, though. It is because because we, we all transition. Yeah. And that's when those legalities come into place. Yeah. And, and that's difficult, too. Another reason why I want to get married is I don't want to die alone. Mm. See, all that money, all that money is 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 not going to save you when when no one is there besides you, genuinely trying to help you to the restroom or help you to the bed or or just sitting next to you out on the porch and y'all just. Staring out at the road, just not even talking to each other, just keeping each other company, just there for each other because you've been there for each other, you guys' entire lives. See, money, money can't buy you that. And and it's really, really sad that, um, you know, we, we like to believe that money can solve all of our problems and, and and make life easier. But I actually think love does. Mm-hmm. I think love makes life easier, but I think it takes a hell of a lot of effort to make love work. Yes. To maintain and sustain a marriage it takes a lot of effort. And that, that, is what this book taught me. Mm, really? Yes. Wow. Yes. Full circle. Yes. Full circle. Exactly that. Yeah. I think um, 
The same way people, if you are an athlete, if you're an NBA player, your goal is to win the championship. If you're a football player, your goal is to win the Super Bowl, be that Super Bowl champion. For me, um, love goals, relationship goals is to not get married. No, the goal is to remain married. Yes. And uh, that is what I equate to a Super Bowl and winning the championship. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is great. Yes, it was. Like we said so much without saying so much about the book. So uh, hopefully this inspires you guys to go order the book right now. (laughs) Great story. Great story. An American Marriage by... Tayari Jones. Alicia, do you have any any final words, any closing words for us? Yeah, so I would just like to speak to everyone in a relationship. And I just like to say, pour into your relationship. Whatever it is that you want to out of your relationship, make sure you are pouring into it. Mm. Mm, pour into your relationship. Nurture your relationship. Ooh, nurture your relationship. Yes. Wow. Alicia, thank you so much for joining me today. This is another one for the book. This one's going in into the history books. Thanks for having me. You know I love talking about books because it's always more than the book. You don't even have to read the book to have these conversations. That's true. So yes, thank you for having me. Absolutely. But that being said, let's jump into our next segment. Have a treat. As you know, each and every episode, I recommend something for you to read. I recommend something for you to watch. I recommend something for you to do. Because you deserve to treat yourself. You absolutely do. So, hey, go ahead, grab a fork because it's time for a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, what I recommend that you watch is the NBA playoffs. Yes, that's right. That's right. The NBA playoffs is live and it's happening now. We're in the second round. Your team may be in the playoffs. I want you to root for them. If your team isn't in there, hey, hop on a bandwagon. Choose a team and ride them all the way. See if they end up in the finals. See if they win that championship. I'm rolling with the Celtics. Tune in, guys, to the NBA playoffs. The games are going down to the wire. All right. Now for something to read and do. This is a two for one right here. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you guys to read the book. I recommended American Marriage to you a few weeks ago. But now you got to hear a little bit about it. We didn't spoil it. We didn't give it away. Trust me, there's so much more to be read. And there's so much more to be discussed. So that's why I want you to read it. And then that's what I want you to do is discuss this novel with your significant other, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. There are conversations that need to be had, and they are generated from this novel, An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. 
Thank you so much for listening. I deeply appreciate it. Please, please share this episode with everyone you know. This was an amazing episode. Before you leave, I want to leave you with this quote. Every accomplishment starts with the decision to try. Thank you.